You're listening to Beyond the Bike with Big Lou. And now a few words from our advertisers. Welcome to Sysmontane Brewing Company. We are located at 1409 East Warner Suite 6, Santa Ana, California 92705. We are open on Monday through Thursday from 3 to 9, Friday and Saturday from 12 to 9, and Sunday from 12 to 6. We have 15 beers on tap with rotating seasonal options. We also have a cask night and taco Tuesday every Tuesday from 3 to 9. And we also feature vinyl Sundays where you can come and choose your own record and we play your music for you. We'll see you soon, Santa Ana. Cheers. What's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bike. We're in the Hits101Radio.com studios tonight. We have a very special guest, Pastor Garrett Beeler. What's up, Pastor Garrett? Hey, what's up, Big Lou? Thanks for having me on. Today. Absolutely. And as usual, co-host Jordan Steyer. What's up, Jay? What's going on, dude? All right, man. Let's get into it, dude. It's going to be a pretty heavy topic, uh, but I think it's something we've got to talk about. First, let's get a little bit of background on Pastor Garrett. Yep. Yeah, so I was uh, just telling Jordan, born and raised here in Southern California, born in Long Beach, uh, raised in... Uh, Orange County, went to school in Huntington Beach, played basketball, got a scholarship, played in college. After uh, completing my four-year stint, I uh, kind of had some life-changing experiences where I 180'd, and I went from pursuing one life to uh, going down a, a path to uh, Bible college and uh, ministry. So last thing I ever thought I'd be doing, so I ended up, fast forward, you know, a number of years uh, on staff at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. Uh, for 10 years and uh, did a Monday night's live uh, outreach. Uh, it was kind of like the night for people that don't go to church to come to church. Right. So I felt it's a really, cool night, right? Well, for the cool I, I, kids. Yeah, I felt really comfortable there, you know, because a lot of people have, you know, their perception of what church is or what they think it should be. But for, for us, it was great being able to have a venue in order to, um, you know, give people a good first impression of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So fast forward 10 years from there, after doing that with a live radio program, uh, we started our own church in January of 2014 in Irvine. So we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Yeah, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, and it's been great. So uh, married, been married for 11 years. So I'm getting some, you know, marital street cred now. <laughs> plus, plus all the white hair, man, coming in. Dude. <laughs> yeah, plus all the white hair and uh, three kids. Knowledge. Uh, yeah, and wisdom. Ten, uh, ten, eight, and uh, almost two. So boy, girl, boy. And uh, just talking to Jordan as well. And uh, both of uh, we has family that's from England, and my wife is uh, from the UK as well. So mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's been great, man. Great to be on the show tonight. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. All right. So, how do how do I start this, man? So, people call it paranormal. People call it. Uh, I mean, maybe they're they're tripping on drugs, or they may, maybe they just woke up in the middle of the night. They're like, you know, figuring imagination. You drive down the road. You're like, oh, I'm just really tired. Like, I mean, angels and demons. You know, people being possessed. Um, you know, I know you you and I we've had experiences with, uh, you know, something something heavy, you know, and I yeah. want to share real quick, but, um, I was a kid in Mexico and it, it seems to happen always in Mexico. Like we have, have my mom, my dad, my sister, my brothers, you know, they've always had an experience in Mexico where it's, it's once upon it's weird. a time in Mexico. It's weird. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's a good movie. I think. So, uh, <laughs> I was, you know, I got them reading the Bible. I was in my cousin's room, um, went to bed and all of a sudden, like, I feel this heavy presence on me. 
and uh, it, it freaked me out. It, you know, honestly, it freaked me out. I was scared and and uh, covered myself with the sheets. And all I can do is just start praying. You know what I mean? And uh, um, and then it went away. But people, I'm sure there's people out there that be like, ah, dude, you know, you're probably dreaming. You had a nightmare. You know, maybe you had something funky to eat. You know, and then you went to bed, and you know, there's some kind of chemical reaction or whatever. Yeah. You know, let's let's talk about your your experiences uh, at home and then uh, at church with that lady that you you know. You yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think you know Hollywood's kind of made something that's very real into something that's entertaining, where people want to get scared, and you know, depending on what time of the year it is, you know, what type of movies you watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the thing is, is that what most people don't realize even in like horror films that have a demonic or spiritual nature to them is that they're drawing on real uh, experiences, documented things that are just crazy. You know, for most uh, people, and I, I think just to get right to the point, you know, in the Bible it talks about there actually being a, an entity, an individual, uh, an angel named Satan. His name was Lucifer. And the the interesting thing is, is that we portray him as this red guy with a little pitchfork and pointed, you know, ears and, and we kind of cartoon, you know, him, but he's a very real person, uh, a very real, real entity. And there is, I don't know if any enemy that can be any more powerful than one that can get you to believe that he doesn't exist, you know, that it's all fantasy, it's all made up, it's all Hollywood, but there's actually really... Uh, an evil presence that's in this world. And it's what we know as a demonic presence that is led by Satan, who was once an angel of the Lord, who who said, I would exalt myself to be like the most high. And he was cast down. The Bible tells us that he took one third of the angels of heaven with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so you'll start to see these kind of things uh, that are just evil. And there's really no way of describing it other than just uh, it, just an overwhelming sense of evil. And and to go back to what you said in dealing with these things, you know, I used to like to watch thrilling kind of scary films. You know, I used to like to, you know, watch that kind of stuff until I started dealing with it in real life. And that was that was the that was the real change that happened with me early on in in ministry where I started dealing with people that were actually demon possessed where like voices are coming out of them that are not their own where they're being, you know, contorted and, and, you know, eyes rolling back in their heads. And it's like stuff you'd see in the movies and that you just dismiss was actually happening. And so one, one Monday night, we ended up uh, having to deal with uh, two witches. Cause like I said, it's kind of like the night for people that don't go to church to go to church. And usually you don't find witches coming to church very often. And so they showed up that uh, Monday night and uh, heavily, heavily involved with, uh, you know, started off with like seances and, and uh, a lot of drug, uh, drug use and uh, Satanism and, and all this kind of stuff. So they ended up showing up and, uh, and it, it was like the moment you walked in the room, you could feel that there was something not right. And so I had my team of guys, they just called me after our Bible study was over and said, hey, you know, we got these two girls, they're in the prayer room, can you come please, you know, check this out. And so they're sitting across the table from each other and it's almost like they're communicating to each other telepathically. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever saw, like they were remarking as if someone just said something but nobody said anything. And so Mm -hmm. we separated them and just to cut to the chase, what ended up happening is we started praying for one of these girls eyes rolled back in her head and 
You know, from what we see in Scripture, that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Mm -hmm. And so as a Christian, we have that kind of authority with what would be very fearful and, you know, cause you to be fearful and be just a real scary situation. We found that there's authority in the name of Jesus. And so as this girl's eyes were rolling back in her head and she was convulsing so hard that one of our girls had to hold her head from smashing against the wall, you know, because she was just all over the place. And no joke, clear as day, I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to look at me. And her eyes rolled back and her pupils were dilated and she just stared at me. And I was like, <laughs> That's what? <laughs> what in the world? Oh, you know, and and uh, and there are like probably 20 other people in that room can that can attest to that happening. It was the craziest thing. And so... I said, in the name of Jesus, because in the Bible it talks about the power of Jesus in your life is mm -hmm. greater than the power of Satan. And so there is a power that is able to set the captive free, the, the, the one that has been taken just under the control of Satan to set him free. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And she got this weird smirk on her face and uh, shook her head no. And I was like wait, that's not in the pastor's training manual, you know, like what in the world's that about? And then I was reminded how Jesus told his disciples when something like that happened, you can read about it in the Gospels, where he said, some don't come out except through prayer and fasting. And so we prayed, we fasted, and the next day they came back, and uh, same kind of thing happened. She started convulsing, eyes rolled up in her head, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. Mm -hmm. And immediately done. And she was completely, she was like, what happened? What happened? What's going on? And she was frantic. And I said, right now, listen to me, you need to give your life to Jesus. And so we're able to lead her in uh, receiving Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And I actually just randomly last summer bumped into the, uh, the, the other girl's dad that brought her. Wow. And they're doing good to this day. That's been probably close to 10 years now. And they're doing all right. So in, in, in that situation, when somebody's possessed. Yeah. Wouldn't you think like, well, I mean, for me, it's like, like the demon would prevent her from going to church, mm -hmm. right? I mean, people think like in movies, whatever, like the Satan can't enter church or the demons can't enter church because of whatever is to burst into flames or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's how, 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 you know, they make it out of like, you know, movies and stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's very Hollywood. Right. You know, that's very Hollywood. You know, you know, touch them with holy water, you know, you, you turn into like Constantine, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And, and that's sensationalized. Um, but here's the deal. The Lord will bring people, especially for me in the ministry. It's like, uh, you know, as a pastor, last thing I ever thought I'd be doing, but he'll bring people across your path that need help. Like they genuinely need help. And this isn't about, Hey, go get your life, you know, taken care of and then come back and we'll help you. No, it's like God calls people just as they are. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't say, go clean your life up first and then come back and I help you. So we, we've been able to see the Lord just work and meet people exactly where they're at. So, there's two things. There's oppression and there's uh, possession. You know, for oppression, it's like that heavy feeling on the outside. Uh, possession is when an actual spiritual entity controls your body, mm -hmm. where you become captive to it. So the demon possession is when you no longer have control over yourself. Now, does, does somebody need to um, invite that in or is it just somebody that... Walking down the street, can can just a, a demon, can they just possess somebody just randomly? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because I know that there are a lot of people that wonder about that because um, 
uh, you know, just from what may be depicted in films and all that. But here's the deal. You're usually barking up that tree. And what's interesting is like it can start off with playing with Ouija boards. It can start off with going to seances. Uh, but really, you're inviting that into your life. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting in the deception is this, is that uh, what we've seen is that these spiritual entities, they offer you power. And there's no way around it. Like, and I'd be the first to tell you, like people that are are possessed, they can read certain amounts of people's mail. Like they they have a supernatural ability. And so, the person that is pursuing spiritism, channeling this kind of stuff, um, the the demonic powers will offer you like an incentive. Like, hey, I will let you be able to do this, this, and the other thing if you give control of yourself to me but what ends up happening is that they'll give control of themselves to that demonic entity and that's Mm -hmm. the issue because uh, they entice them with power but the whole desire is to control them and so to answer your question you don't see too often someone just walking down the street and they turn the corner and then they're possessed usually what you see is somebody's opening themselves up whether it be through drugs or through witchcraft or through satanism Mm -hmm. you're kind of going down that path and uh, I don't know what the exact point is in the in the timeline that, you know, you're given over, but there is definitely a time where that happens. Mm-hmm. That's pretty heavy. Um, <clears throat> oh, <laughs> it's pretty. That's, that's heavy stuff, man. You know, especially a lot of people that are listening to the radio, like what what are we listening to? But it's something that you know we. I think, you know, it happens every day in our lives that you know sometimes we don't see it because it's you know mm-hmm. it's spiritual right so you know um like magicians like do you feel like maybe there's some there's some you know stuff with with those guys because of some of the stuff that they're doing or is that just like you know know? with illusionists you know and magicians i i I think it's to their advantage for the audience to think that they have some kind of supernatural power but i think they're just very gifted Mm -hmm. in illusions so i don't i don't you know because you you have like Chris Angel or, you know, these other guys, they, they may not be, you know, uh, you know, the shining light in society, but I, I think that they can play to the fact that, you know, hey, I have a supernatural ability, but mm-hmm. really they're just very, very gifted at their at their craft. So speaking of gifts, now, can somebody that's a believer, do they have the gift of like sensing or seeing like like people that are possessed or something like that? Or is that... Does that not happen? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and I think maybe just to back up real quick, because might have jumped right right in the, in the deep end on this. i got a this. tendency of doing that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I think what it is is that, you know, if, if you can honestly look at the world and say there's bad stuff that happens, and, and if you could even say there's atrocities and things that are just beyond your comprehension that another individual could do to somebody else right what you're recognizing is just evil you're recognizing the existence of evil in this world okay yes man has a free choice but god's given man the freedom to choose and so what you see is that man can either choose to do what pleases god or he can choose to do what displeases him Mm -hmm. and when man sinned uh when they when adam and eve and sin entered into this world mankind became a slave to sin. And, and, and so that's the whole point of even Jesus coming to this world to die on the cross was to actually redeem mankind that's been controlled by sin. And so until 
until we, we're done here on this earth, you're going to see a good versus evil battle. And the evil that's happening, it's really, it's demonic. And, and we don't want to recognize it. We want to think it's like hocus pocus, aladocus, you know, or whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and it's some weird, you know, Halloween kind of spoof, but it's actually real. And there's an evil in this world. And, you know, probably all of us at some point in our life have been invited to a pool party. And then you had the great misfortune of uh, standing on the edge of the pool with your phone and your keys and your and your wallet and your friends <laughs> have that look in their eye like, hey, you're going in. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the first thing that I'd be thinking of is if I'm going in, you're going in. Mm-hmm. And you're clawing and grabbing and pulling, you know, and you're going to bring him in with you. And the Bible tells us that Satan is actually on his way to a place called the Lake of Fire. And he's trying to grab and pull as many people as he can uh, with him. You know, and so if you recognize that what the Bible says is true, that there's actually a God in heaven who loves you, who is righteous, there is a fallen angel named Satan or Lucifer that is out to destroy you, then you start to see things different. And it starts to bring some clarity and understanding to why evil exists in this world, why people treat each other terribly. But then there's also a solution to that, which is faith in Jesus. You know, and so I think coming from that that position and that understanding, it helps us kind of segue into your question, you mm-hmm. know, as far as, you know, dealing with the realities of what's what's happening. But um, discernment, like uh, some people said, well, can can Christians be possessed, or you know, can you know, is that possible? What you know, well, here's here's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that. If you put your faith in Jesus, that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And there is a do not disturb sign. God doesn't share you with anyone. And actually, the Bible tells you that if through faith in Jesus, you have given your life to God, that he seals you with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God's not going to allow anything else to dwell inside of you. You're not going to have to worry about being demon-possessed. You're not going to have to worry about any of those things. And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God will give... Christians or those that have put their faith in Jesus, what's called, uh, it's a spiritual gift called the discernment of spirits, where you can just sense something, ah, that's not right. Now, it may just be that that's not right, or it may just be that that's evil. And I know that probably in the over dozen cases that I've had with individuals that were genuinely demon-possessed, I could, I could completely tell that that's what was going on, and you just sensed it in, in your spirit. You know, so Christians don't have anything to fear. You know, the Bible tells us the greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And uh, if there are people that are listening to this or have experienced things like this and they're fearful, the best thing that you can do is to put your faith in Jesus and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a heavy topic. I mean, that's seriously like a, that's a, that's a, a real deep thing to deal with, you know, because usually we float around life not realizing that there's a, enemy who the bible says is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour right right so then <clears throat> how do people that are not believers how do they overcome something like that like you know seeing stuff or experiencing stuff or mm-hmm. you know yeah that... well yeah that's a great question too you know the the girls that i talked to um that night on monday nights they said you know one of the girls saw spirit since she was a little kid and it started when she got kind of inherited it i think it was her her mom or someone that would 
you know, practice witchcraft and seances in the home. So she became accustomed to seeing those kind of things, you know, and, you know, paranormal activity, make sure you get your night vision, you know, goggles on and you can see the spirits walking around everywhere. I mean, most of that is just Hollywood, Mm -hmm. but you know, there is a good percentage though, still where people deal with those things very regularly. And that's a, that's a real thing. And so if there is someone that isn't a Christian, you don't have the power over those things that somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit does. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody's dealing with maybe having terrible night terrors, um, I've had people uh, talk to me that felt like they were getting choked out at night or that there was like a heavy pushing on them in bed where they felt like they were sinking into their beds. Um, You know, uh, deep breathing over them, dark shadows in the corner, like those things are, are real. You know, and, and that's what I experienced. So, and, you know, yeah, and, and, I, and when I was younger, I had nightmares, too. So. Yeah. So is that something to do with like something demonic or is it just something that just happens chemical, you know, in your body that causes you to start, you know, to have that kind of stuff reaction? Yeah. yeah I mean, it could be bad pizza one night, you know, just be real with you. I could be like, hey, man, I just had a really weird dream. You know, that that kind of frightened me, actually. You know, it's a bad dream that 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 happens. But. I think that there are cases, though, and I even know from my own personal experience, because I was 21, I was in college, where uh, I'm the oldest of four, and uh, my brothers and I used to love practical jokes on each other. (laughs) And my youngest brother in particular, when I'd be sleeping at night, he would come crawling in on the side of my bed and then jump and try to scare the living daylights out of me while I was sleeping, you know? And so one particular night, um, I was, <laughs> that's why I started sleeping with a bat by my bed <laughs> on his head when he came in. But uh, one particular night, I, uh, you know, like when someone's crawling on the carpet, it's like, shh, shh, mm-hmm. shh, shh, you know, I remember telling my little brother, Brennan, I was like, gosh, darn it, Brennan, don't do that tonight. And I went to flip my light on and, the, you know, to tell him off. And it wasn't my brother crawling on the carpet. There was a massive giant black shadow in the corner of my room and it was breathing over me. And so for me, I know it sounds like mental and I wasn't using, I'm not on anything, you know, I I don't have any history of mental illness or anything like that, you know, and I'm just about to, but uh, I I remember seeing that and I bolted out of my room so fast. I went running, you know, into the kitchen. I was living at at my parents' home at the time and I was seriously freaked out of my mind and when i saw that and heard that and felt that it was just um it was a game changer for me not everybody has a chance to see those kind of things you know i wouldn't wish that on anybody um but it it really helped me come to the place where i'm at today where i know that there is a real spiritual battle that is taking place over people's lives where they're going to spend eternity Mm -hmm. and it is my life calling to try to help people through that no matter what they've done no matter what they've experienced no matter how many wrong things they've done in their life that they might know that there is a god in heaven who loves them and that through faith in jesus you can be made whole Mm -hmm. but that stuff's real it's absolutely real so it's not just drugs or pizza or whatever i mean that yeah, you know, we, we joke around about having pizza and then, oh, man, you ate too late and went to bed on it. But but on the on the subject of drugs, though, um, throughout history, and you can look this up from, you know, different cultures, that they would use mind-altering substances as part of their acts of worship. 
And so drugs are actually something that do open you up to the spiritual realm, whether you realize it or not. You might smoke pot or, you know, cocaine, start, you know, meth or whatever, hard stuff, you know, start doing crack or heroin or whatever. But you don't realize that as you can, you know, become in bondage to these things, what's happening is something spiritual. Yeah. And that you can open yourself up to that it's it's like a gateway it's like flying you know the doors wide open well a lot of people say like oh you know smoking weed's not a gateway drug Mm -hmm. you know whatever and do you feel that now that it's legal you think we're going to start you know seeing a lot more of that that kind of stuff where people are yeah you know know, i don't know i mean we might see a lot more laziness you know (laughs) a lot more a lot more ice cream being bought late at night but um you know i i just think that anything that causes you to not be in a in a, a sound state of mind is, is an issue. I mm-hmm. think it's a problem. And, and I think anything that kind of, you know, a lot of times too, we can, we can look to substances that take the edge off of life. I mean, it could be things that we're, you know, experiencing that are painful. Uh, we might want to, and it doesn't have to be, oh, you know, I have a backache, it's medical or whatever. You know, I, I just think in life, a lot of times we'll look because of pain and because of struggles that we have, we'll look to something, like I said, to take the edge off. Mm-hmm. And however, though, when, when we're doing things to, to mask or to put a Band-Aid over a problem, the problem never gets dealt with. We just, you know, self-medicate, you know, stay in an inebriated state, and we never get to the heart of the issue. And so that's what's so powerful about the gospel is, is, is that it actually transcends the external shell. It goes past the facade. It gets down to the innermost recesses of who we are. And it deals with those issues because eventually, sooner or later, they come to the surface, you know. And so I just think, you know, with the use of drugs, you got to be careful with those things. Obviously, I don't use drugs. I wouldn't recommend people uh, using. uh, But I think that there are so many dangers, not only in the physical, but especially the spiritual, when you start uh, heading down that path. Mm -hmm. What about occasional drinking? Yeah, drunk, uh, yeah, drinking. Yeah, you know, actually, it's funny. I just did a show uh, a few weeks ago around, actually, was it before Christmas, maybe, about drinking. And uh, it was interesting because it was in the context of, you know, people uh, that were Christians drinking and et cetera. But, um, you know, I come from a long line of alcoholics. And, and so I, I would say that uh, I have a propensity to be the next alcoholic. And so okay. knowing those things with me, and uh, my family, I, I never sipped anything. Uh, I, I saw my relatives in terrible physical states, um, uh, dying, you know, because of alcoholism. And I didn't want to be the next one. So I saw that and uh, I stayed as far away from it as I could. Um, you know, having said that, though, I mean, the Bible talks about alcohol, actually. It says, don't be drunk. It says, instead of being filled with you know, the spirit of alcohol, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Right. you know? And so the issue is, is that you drive down the 405 freeway to get here and on the overpass will say, buzz driving is drunk driving. Correct. And so the world is actually saying now, hey, if you're buzzed, you're drunk. And so for me as a Christian and in my context, hey, I'm not going to do anything that's going to alter the way I'm thinking that Mm -hmm. will cause me to lose inhibitions or not be able to think clearly or to really truly, you know, act as being led by the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, so I think there's a lot of dangers associated with alcohol, and uh, people need to make their own decisions as far as uh, what they 
uh, feel is okay for them, but the Bible very clearly says, do not be drunk. That's a sin. So once you cross that line, uh, whether it's buzzed or whatever, you're starting to head down a path that God says, hey, no, don't do that because mm-hmm. there's dangers involved with that. Right. And whether it's drunk driving or, or just, uh, you know, the, the diseases associated with, with alcohol, you know, so I think we need to be careful about that. Yeah. I mean, disease with alcohol or, or smoking cigarettes, you know, cancer and, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty, you know. Yeah, these are heavy topics tonight, Big Lou. My <laughs> goodness. <laughs> so, uh, kind of going back to, to the Mexico thing, um, my mom, several years ago with my sister and my niece, they went to go visit my my grandparent, my grandma, and they were at my grandma's house, and they were in my aunt's room, and I've had an experience in my aunt's room where there was some moving around of stuff in, in my aunt's closet. I'm like, there's nobody here, you know what I mean? And that kind of freaked me out when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they had scratching and uh growling and stuff like that in um outside the, the room and they're like what's going on and then my niece felt uneasy like you know she you know she was restless and stuff and uh there was a dog in the house but the dog was in another room and they're like what's going on you know and, and it happened I, I believe it happened several times and um can something be like attached to some an, an object in a house where it's like there's something going on. There's something evil in the house, whether it's like an omen or can a house, like my question is, can a house be haunted or like, yeah, people call it, can a house be haunted? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a very uh, good question as well. And haunted houses, you know, you think of, um, you know, the ride at Disneyland and it's a, it's a joke. Oh, the mm-hmm. ghosts hanging out in the house or whatever. Um, but you know, to give you real life facts, you know, when you're dealing with, um, spiritual things and you're dealing with, uh, demonic things there, as I, uh, mentioned earlier, there is a power that's associated with that, uh, moving objects, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, uh, mirrors flying across the wall. That's legit. I mean, that's, that's not, that's not just uh, sensationalized. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there can be definitely um, evil things associated with particular places. The Bible actually tells us, Jesus said, you know, that uh, in talking about uh, demonic spirits is that they can't rest. It's very interesting because it says that it was in the, uh, in the context of having somebody that was demon-possessed set free from that. And that Jesus said that uh, that once that spirit is cast out, he you know he goes throughout the earth through the de- you know desert places you know looking for some place, and he goes and gets you know a number of spirits that are more wicked than he is, and go back to the first person's house uh, that he used to live in and find it that it's organized, it's clean, it's kept, and then they go back into that place, and then that person's latter state is worse than it was before all that to say is is that we know that there is a day coming that satan and all of the demons will be judged mm-hmm. and, and the bible talks about it in the book of revelation uh demonic presences do not rest and that's one thing that we know for sure they're always they're always doing something they're they're involved with you know world leaders they're involved with different regions the bible tells us that there's actually you know like we have mayors and governors and you know congressmen and senators etc that the bible actually says that there is a a system of leadership in the spiritual realm 
Uh, the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, which speaks of rulers over particular areas. There's a ruler over this area where this radio station is. You know, there's a ruler that oversees the United States. You know, like if you were in sales and you had the West Coast territory, that's the same thing that happens in the spiritual realm where there's demonic powers that oversee certain areas. And so, you know, uh, I definitely think that if there is a place where any kind of evil is being practiced, that's not where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And you need to get anything out of it. A lot of people have like idols in their home, like literal idols. Um, they have objects of uh, Satan, satanic worship, you know, in their house. You need to get rid of all that stuff. You know, if you have any of those things in your home, it's best to trash them, get rid of them, you know. And then what I recommend is find a good Bible teaching church in your area and then invite a pastor or someone that's in leadership at the church to come and pray for your home. You know, so you, if you're living there, the best thing you can do is be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is your house. And then the actual tangible house that you live in, that's that the Lord's presence would come and dwell there. And you can pray over your home. And uh, the Lord does a, a great work of uh, protecting that place of residence. So, mm-hmm. so, so yes, right. There, there's, there can be an object, right, attached. There's, there can be a demon attached to an I, object I, or, or something, right? Because, you know, my grandma's house, there was like a... I don't know if it was like an altar, but there was like a room, right? It was almost like an elevator shaft type of deal where they had like a saint or something. So they would pray to saints or whatever. I don't know if it was my grandpa or my grandma, but it was something there that, you know, like my brother has had an experience where he was sleeping and somebody pulled his foot. You know what I mean? You know, it's just like just weird stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, like, you know, like how can somebody explain that? You know, from you know, like that doesn't really understand what's going on. Yeah, well, it's really hard. I mean, a good rule of thumb always has been if it seems weird, is because it is weird. Mm-hmm. And if, if something like that it seems to be happening repetitively, I'm I, I'm I'm a firm believer in the demonic realm. Like I understand how that works. Um, I'm a firm believer in the power of the Holy Spirit through those who have faith in Jesus, and I know that. There are things that can happen that you just can't explain. And there are things that are explained in the scriptures and then it's left to conjecture and people's opinions. But I think the bottom line is this, is if there is a place where evil is being practiced, especially something that has to do with, uh, you know, demonic activity, anything with spiritualism, the worship of the dead, anything like that, you are going to find evil attached to that. Mm Mm-hmm. And so get rid of it. Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you can put like like oil, right, in on the entryway. Well, so is that something that, that can protect, you know, you, you know, let's say you go to a hotel room or you go to somebody's house, you don't know what, you know, you're just a visitor, so you don't really know what's going on in the house, you know what I mean, just to protect yourself from right. anything like that. Right, you know, and I think even when, and just I know you have a broad audience, so I, I feel like when talking about this subject and even talking about like anointing oil or whatever, that we would liken it to like the holy water that gets sprayed on the, de- on the right. demonic, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the demonic person, or you know, the crucifix, you know, like you'll see in you know portrayed in different exorcist movies, you know, or yep. get back, like there's power in that particular you know object. But um, I, I think what's important to understand is that there is only one thing that we find power in, and that's in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. and so. 
It's not going to be a relic from church history. It's going to be you right now, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing oil is something that we see in the Bible just as as, as, as a way of, of asking for the Lord to completely cover something. Um, it was it, It's used to pray for those that are sick. Uh, people anoint their home to just pray for the Lord to, to protect their home. So the power isn't in the oil. The power is in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to pray over your home or pray over where you're, where you're staying, A, that's only <clears throat> going to work if you have a personal relationship with the Lord. And B, it's going to be because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. That answers that question. <laughs> yeah. Jay, you got any questions for Pastor Garrett? Um, You've been pretty quiet over there, man. Yeah. It's just out of my realm. Yeah. That's a lot to take in, man. That's a lot. Uh, questions. A lot of questions. Uh, where do you want to take this conversation? Where, wherever you want to go, man. Wherever you go. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, I guess we could start back from square one. So you said you you've dealt with, would you say like a dozen uh, people that you've had to, uh, like demons that you've had to specifically work with? How did those people uh, reach out to you? Well, we ended up um, really. What was interesting is that they came to us. To tell you the truth, quite frankly, a specific person did, or y- yeah, that it was either them? somebody that knew them, or it was just the specific person. And and as I was going to say, quite frankly, I don't go out looking for that kind of stuff. That makes sense. It's, it's not like the, you know? the the Conjuring yeah. where where you know they're like, oh yeah, why don't you go over there or you know or Ghostbusters yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not going to try to seek those things out at all. So it was usually somebody that had a friend or a family member that said, Hey, you know, my, my daughter or my son's in a bad spot. We've tried everything, you know, you know, I had one, one family that, that brought, you know, their friend and, and they just said that, you know, we tried to pray for her and this voice came out of her and said, you know, she's been mine since she was a little kid and I'm not letting anyone have her. And so it freaked them out. And so that's why they end up calling, you know, the church. And then somehow they got in contact with me. And I, I, uh, I ended up becoming uh, the kind of the resident guy that dealt with those kind of things. And it really bothered me for, for a number of years. Like I used to have nightmares about it because it really scared me. And, uh, you know, I had to push through some things until the Lord really helped me. And the Bible says that God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so I kind of had a lot of growing pains, even as a pastor and as a Christian, dealing with those kind of things. But usually it was somebody that really cared about someone. They would bring them, or some people would just come and show up off the street. Well, I remember you, uh, sorry, Jordan, good job. But I remember you telling me it was like after the, after Pastor Chuck, you know, like your pastors would go up in the front and some lady came just to you, right, specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's when I knew it was all about to start because um, we had like 10 other guys that were assistant pastors that we would just, after church, after the service was over, we would just stand and pray for people. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, like, hey, you know, I need a job or, you know, I'm not feeling too well or whatever, just like random things. And this woman came up to me of all the people, you know, and, and she said, you know, I have an unclean spirit. And I was like, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm like, Who, who's, who's trying to pull my leg? You know, I was just like not even a year into the whole pastor thing. And, uh, and lo and behold, you know, I asked her, I said, hey, you know, have you given your life to Jesus? Because like I, I, I shared with you, Lou, earlier is that if you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about being demon possessed. I mean, God doesn't share you with anyone. 
and uh, she couldn't tell me if she was or not. And so I started sharing, you know, some of those uh, scriptures from the Bible that pertain to how you put your faith in Jesus. And she started shaking all over the place right there in the church in front of everyone. And, uh, you know, this voice came out, out of her and I was just like, what in the world? And it's like I had a homing beacon on me. It was like, why didn't they go to the 15 other guys? There was like, you know, right to me. And uh, that was the beginning of it all, you know. And so that that's kind of how I got uh, <laughs> baptized by fire, if you will, as far as uh, dealing with those kind of things. Hmm. But, you know, it's usually people kind of get to the end of the rope and they're like, I tried everything else. I need to go try God, you know. That's not the preferred method, but that's the way it happens a lot of times. Hmm. Jay, <laughs> well, so as a as an agnostic person, it's very hard to grasp a lot of the things that you're saying. Um, I have, I was basically born into a family that raised me as a Catholic. Um, we're not, they weren't. I mean, my dad was a, um, he went to a private school in high school, or whatever, but he didn't really stick with it. My mom the same way, but they wanted to raise me with the values of the church, and I remember as a kid. I was never fully into it. I always had questions. Fast forward to high school, didn't really do much, whatever. Met some buddies of mine that were going to the church and uh, Christians. Started going to their church. Same thing when I got there. You know, you, you, you're there and it, the, I like the feeling. I like the community. I like the people. Um, good experiences. Still had questions. Mm-hmm. Never fully got to that point of like... I, I, I was almost... In a weird way, I was kind of jealous or envious of people that can can actually envelop themselves into something like that. But I can never get to that point because I always had questions. So for me personally, it's it's hard to listen to all, all, the, all the stories of it because I just, it doesn't resonate with me in any sort of way. So maybe I'm ignorant because I haven't experienced things. But uh, I guess I can leave it at that. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think, just to reply to you, I, I think it's good that you have questions because there's answers for them. And, you know, I think a lot of times people will think, well, hey, if you're going to become a Christian, then you just check your intellect at the door. You know, you don't, you know, use your mind anymore. And and I don't think there could be anything further from the truth. And so I think having questions is part of working out your own salvation, you know, uh, working that out with wrestling through things. And and really what it comes down to is faith. It's like, what do you believe? You know, so ultimately, though there might be facts, and in the Bible, one of the things that separates, actually three things that separate the Bible really from a lot of uh, historical or religious books is there's three things that we look at. Because when it comes down to it, you're looking, all right, well, how is the Bible authority? You know, how is it truly God's word? And, you know, you could spend a lot of time just on that subject. But, you know, the cliff notes of it is there's three particular things that that separate the bible and one in particular i think is the is the the game changer but you know you want to look at historic historicity you know what does the bible has to uh, have to say and then how does that line up with secular history are, are the places that they talk about you know or do they really exist um archaeology you know what's going on with the buildings and the cities and the things that you know they, that they've discovered does that line up with, you know, what we know today? So whether you're Christian or not Christian, uh, historicity, historicity, uh, historicity, archaeological evidence. But then the third thing, which I, I mentioned as a game changer, was just the prophetic elements of it, which, 
According to secular historians, they've even believed that, man, there's no way this person could have written this at this particular date and time because it didn't happen until like thousands of years later. And so you start looking at the prophecies that are found in the Bible. And that's like the one thing that really helped me think, okay, if you talk about compound probability and you're looking at what are the chances of these things being written way before they ever happen and then having them come to pass, it just helped really, it really helped me, you know, bring some clarity that what I knew or what I was taught to be uh, truth um, had some really good, solid, factual things that I found that to be true. But then on top of all of that, which I consider foundational history, archaeology, and, and prophecy, was that I couldn't argue against the change that I saw that took place in people's lives. Like, And that that was the thing. And, and, and maybe looking on the outside and seeing people, because, you know, in the church, there's hypocrites. I mean, everybody knows, hey, you don't go to church because it's filled with a bunch of what? Oh, hypocrites. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and so I think a lot of times people get a bad taste in their mouth about church because there's people that call themselves Christians but they don't live very Christ-like, man. They actually do in a disservice, you know. And, and that's why I think Jesus said very clearly, not everyone who calls himself a Christian is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, those that do the will of my Father. So you'll know a Christian by the way that they live, the way that they love people, the way that they live according to God's word. And so I think there's a really good place. Like, I think you should have questions. I don't think you're supposed to go into anything blind. God doesn't tell you that... You know, you can't wrestle with things. The Bible doesn't tell us that we can't present our questions and concerns to God. Uh, I think those things are healthy, and they're really good, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, but uh, to be uh, in a place where, you know, uh, you're professing agnosticism, you know, there may be something out there. Who knows? You know, but uh, I can tell you from personal experience that I. I really truly have seen that those have put their faith in Jesus their lives have changed and it's a real thing it's a real thing it's mm-hmm. a real as I'm sitting here you know but questions are good I think you just might need to find somebody you can ask those questions to that's not going to judge you or, or, or make you feel stupid you know maybe that could be something that could be helpful in the future that's my two cents from the outsider's perspective I, I mean if I'm asking questions I don't I'm not, I'm not going to feel stupid asking questions, I don't think. I mean, if someone Good. if someone has that kind of judgment, I think that would be their own issue in a way. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I just, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to look at things in like a, a, I guess in a physical way more than a spiritual way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we're on very different levels. It's kind of funny. So I don't know, I don't know how to hash that out, to be honest. Have you ever had anything like of a spiritual nature happen to you? Ah, I mean, we're more of a bad pizza night. I mean, everybody has their own things. I mean, for me, I, I explain things uh, either by what my mind tends to do, what I'm exposed to. If, if it's something to do with social media that has something weird going on, and I see something, then it, it reflects in a dream or something. But I don't have anything that I really link to a spiritual being. I have a different explanation for it. I'll just say, hey, it's physical, or hey, it's something that was suggested in a way um, unconsciously. 
But um, and I think that's very viable. You know, you can watch a, a TV show before bed or whatever. And next thing you know, the FBI is after you. You know, and yeah. like what the heck? <laughs> and there's a lot to be said about diet too. Um, people yep. talk about diet and your your gut biome affecting how your body. Um, if anything, your gut biome controls your mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a bad diet, your, your mind can go different ways. That's um, very true. If you're vegan, if if your body doesn't uh, react well with being a vegan, there's there's different things that can happen. So I, I just my first. Uh, and, you know, move is not to go to a spiritual um, point, at least in my personal experience. Well, so. I think that's good, too, because I think there's people that hyper-spiritualize everything, and that's not necessarily a healthy balance either. I mean, I believe in eating well, I believe in fitness, taking care of yourself, you know, and all that. And, uh, you know, the Bible, it's funny you would say the gut biome. You know, the Bible actually says that the gut or the bowels is the seat of all emotions. You know, you don't see that on a Valentine's Day card. You know, I love you from the depth of my intestines, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you're absolutely right. No, I, I think that those things can affect you, affect your mood, uh, affect how your brain processes things, dealing with stress. So I, 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 I'm not saying... Um, that that life has nothing to do with the physical universe. I think it's very, I mean, we live in a physical universe. We have physical bodies. You know, we deal with, with stuff all the time that affects us, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that following God or being a Christian, um, you know, doesn't mean that you no longer recognize that there's just like bad stuff that happens if yeah. you don't take care of yourself. Yeah. Right. So I, I agree with you. So, yeah, I mean, there is that uh, dichotomy, I guess, Um but as far as like, if you want to go like principles, as far as like good and evil and um, you know right and wrong in a way, um, I would say that our society is based on Christian beliefs as far as our morality goes. Um, I, I say I, I follow that. Obviously, I mean you could recognize evil when you see evil. Um, the way I justify doing what I think is morally correct is something that I would want to happen to me um, if I was dealing with someone. So when you see evil, I mean it, it definitely sucks. I mean it's like you don't understand why people get to that point. But, um, again, I, it's not, I wouldn't go to the spiritual aspect. So I guess in your case, like you can differentiate the two, like spiritual and physical, where I just maybe am staying more physical. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see myself going towards that spiritual realm. I don't know. It's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of a funny thing. I mean, I, I, I've been surrounded my, actually my pretty good friends growing up through high school were all, um, church going people and. It's, it just never really came up, I guess. Never got really deep. I don't know. It's yeah, no. Hard it, to explain. It's interesting too, because even the golden rule, you know, uh, Jesus said, "Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." I mean, so you're even your principle for like, hey, you know, I, I want to treat people the way that uh, I would like to be treated. That's actually found in something that Jesus said. I mean, Jesus didn't take the negative and say. You know, don't treat people the way you don't want to be treated. It was more of an act of like doing good to other people, and so I think that that's a that's a good thing. Uh, the issue that comes up, I, I think, you know, as you start to get older too, you start to think about, you know, hey man, life's short. You know, what's going to happen? You know, after I'm done, because the physical body, if you look at it, they don't last. You know, I've had a number of injuries, you know, uh, broken bones and surgeries and all that. And you just look at your body and, you know, it's like, man, this thing wasn't built to, to last for a long time. And uh, if you disagree with me, then you just look at your grandparents and you're like, yeah, you know, not going to last forever, physical mm-hmm. bodies. And so, you know, I think what comes down to it is like, you know, dealing with 
what happens here on this earth and the fact that your physical body doesn't last, there's a part of us that does. And that's, you know, I think what is so important about uh, what it means to have faith because when our physical bodies die, something's going to happen. You know, we're going we're gonna to either live in the presence of the Lord or live outside the presence of God, you know, and and so I, I think that's where, you know, I think take care of your body, exercise, eat right, you know, don't don't kill your brain cells, you know, do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. But, you know, you can only do that to, to a certain extent. And then when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Mm-hmm. And even Jesus said, he said, what will profit a man if he gains the whole world? And he loses his own soul. And so you can have all the accolades, all the money, power, position, whatever. Um, but, you know, you're not going to see any uh, U-Haul trucks following hearses to the gravesite. You know, you leave, it, you leave it all behind here. And so that's why it's so important to know, like, where you go after this place. And I think that's where the spiritual aspect of what life is all about. Because you can't see it. And unless you're, you know, in unique situations, you're not going to feel the spiritual realm. It's just, hey, this is my physical world that I live in, my physical body. And and I think that's why, you know, when you start looking at the spiritual aspects of things, you start to have your your world just broadens a little bit to start to understand, okay, man, some of the stuff that the Bible talks about, I, I can start to see that. And so I, I think that's, that's the most important thing for me, you know, is I... I was in a place, it was funny because Jordan and I were talking about quarter life and midlife crisis earlier. <laughs> and uh, I remember going through mine where I was like, you know what, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have, you know, the national average 2.38 kids and uh, the, the car in the driveway, the picket fence or whatever, you know, whatever your dream life looks like. And uh, it just dawned on me, hey, you're not going to live forever and you're going to die. And what, are you, what, have you, what have you done that impacted anybody? You know, what did you do that, that lives past, you know, you, your life here on this earth? And so that was, a, that was something that was really important for me to experience where I just said, you know what, I want to do something that lasts. And then furthermore, I want to know that when I breathe my last breath here on this earth, that I'll be in the presence of God and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. And so the fear of dying and the fear, though I'm not asking to die mm-hmm. or have a death wish, I have found that uh, I have great confidence in that, you know, that to be absent from the body is to be present with, with the Lord, you know, and that's been something that has changed my life, and I've seen it change, you know, countless other people's lives as well. Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting. Jay, you good? I'm just absorbing. I get it. It's, I mean, we're on two different... Uh, Two different playing fields, I guess. I don't know. But here's your opportunity to ask away, man, you know? I don't know what to ask. I mean, I, 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 I didn't know what to expect. Uh, well, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> it's two of us. No, no, for sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be that guy. But no, me neither. I just, uh, I mean, I think it's, we're at a, we're, we're both at ends that I feel like we're pretty far from, from like a middle point. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I haven't said much. I know that much. I mean, you know, you've definitely been exposing your side of it for sure. But for me, I, I I can't explain the way I feel about certain things. I just have a feeling about it, and that's how my mind kind of comprehends it. I mean, I guess uh, my you know my core life crisis is my own issue, and, and be it something I need to accept, and then uh, have something to look forward to, like you do um, on your deathbed. Uh, maybe that will help. 
but in my head, I see that as just a patch for something that I have no proof of what's going to happen. So I guess you could either go that route of bank on something there to, uh, to be there. And if it is there, awesome. If it's not there, you tried. Or you could be in my realm where I just, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, in your own mind, I guess you have to justify the, uh, those two things. But I, I just, I tend to work one way and my, my head just kind of goes the other way. Mm-hmm. So that's... It's kind of interesting. I mean, I just, I'm, it's very interesting. I'm just on the opposite side. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, according to uh, what the Bible would tell us is that uh, your life was created for a purpose, like you're not an accident. Um, you know, God tells us in his word that, that every living person, whether they have disabilities, you know, handicaps, you know, failures, whatever, that there's a purpose for those people. Um, some choose to have that purpose realized. Um uh, some choose to go and do their own thing, you know, but I can tell you um, what the Bible says and something that, that has absolutely changed me and what I even live my life to do now is that, you know, there there is a void that we have in our life. There are things that we look to try to fill voids in our life. And I really believe that it could be called a God-shaped void and we'll try to fit anything we can in that place and it could be relationships or sex or drugs or experiences or whatever um you know and it always leaves us looking for something more it always leaves us looking for the next high the next thing and the, the only thing that can fill that void is a personal relationship with with jesus and you know and 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 i think that that's that's a game changer and i know i've used that word you know twice already or whatever but it's like that that's a thing that separates having faith in Jesus from every other religion in the world, you have an absolute assurance that whether you, you know, feel it or not, uh, that when you die, you're going to heaven. And that's a good thing. You know, if, if people can believe, you know, whatever they want and granted you, you respect that and Hey man, if that's what you want to believe. That's what you want to believe. And I think that we owe each other that kind of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that nobody should be, um, put down or made fun of or treated, you know, terribly based upon what they believe. Um, I think everybody's entitled to their own opinions, but, you know, I have to look to something that is greater than I am. I have to look to something that there is absolute uh, authority about what is truth and, you know, living in a world of relativism where everybody makes their own truth, decides what's good for them. Um, it leaves, you know, you, you in a place where you're tossed all over the place. So I think having the word of God, it, it helps us understand what truth is. We have bearing. Uh, we, we know what this life is about, but more importantly, what the next life is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And, and to have that, I think, is invaluable. But people have to come to that at their own, you know, they have to, they have to come to that on their own um, uh, own volition under their own volition they have to work through things wrestle through things talk through things um uh, i i went through a massive like rebellious stage you know where i'm just i don't want anything to do with 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 god you know and, and i think that that the good thing is is that no matter where you're at or what stage you're in that if you're just honest and say well hey god you know i heard some crazy guy on this radio show you know say god was real if you are would you show me you know, open the Bible, read it for yourself. You know, you, you, you open it, read it, find out what it says. And then, you know, you make your decision. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing. Cause I wouldn't say, Hey, we'll just take my word for it. I think you need to own it for yourself. Yeah. 
like LeVar Burton, right? Remember reading Rainbow? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> But you don't right. take my word for it. Yeah, take a look. It's in a book, right? <laughs> Way before your day, Jay, so. <laughs> Probably. I'm used to it on this show. <laughs> yeah. Movie references and a bunch of other stuff. Like, Jordan's like, eh, man, music, whatever. Movie, uh, music. I'm like, sorry, Dad. Yeah. Uh, lost me. Yeah. The shaking of the head. What? So, so I guess um, we... So you brought up purpose, and I, I, I believe purpose, and not even my own idea, I guess. I mean, everything, I, I learned everything. I like to think I have my own thoughts, but my thoughts are uh, constructed from things that I learned. Um, so from what I've learned recently, and I guess I knew about it, but I've thought more of in, in recent times is the idea of having purpose in life. So in, in your case, you have a purpose to serve your God. I... I would say I have the same idea where I have a purpose to serve what is around me because I believe if you don't live a life with purpose, you'll tend to go the wrong way. So again, it's just that thing where my justification is different than yours. You justify it for your God. I justify it for the betterment of the people around me. Um, the, like, I appreciate the, like, like Lou, like you're right there. I'm going to do, I guess, what's good for us right now. I'm not going to, betray you in any sort of way because that would be negative for you and then in the end negative for me unless i'm a psychopath <laughs> which we'll find out <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> but i just I, I i justify purpose by the immediate i guess and i, I don't have a, a an end goal to the purpose i guess uh but it would just be more of the goal of having a purpose because if you're doing something with purpose you're going to feel satisfied if you're not if you're living your life day by day without a purpose you're just kind of looking for what can i get like what what's what's the closest thing that i can like what's the next thing i can do without having some sort of base to keep you from doing the wrong thing so i guess yeah our, our justifications are different yeah yeah you know and i think you brought up a good a good point too and i think it, it begs the question of just you know, like, where do you find the, you know, the, the line of separation between that which is considered good and that which is considered wrong? Um, I, I think if we were to carry that, that out, you know, if everything becomes relative or maybe my standard of what's good is different from your standard of what's good, yeah, that, that can that could lead us in into some pretty you know dangerous spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then, then you start running into issues as far as uh, you know what are facts and what's what's not. I mean, what's what's emotion? You know. Yeah. And some people will say one thing uh, is moral in their eyes, which we, some people. <laughs> yeah. Some other religions that uh, I mean, again. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could think it's morally acceptable to smack you in the face, and that's not acceptable to you. I'm sorry. That's good for me. It's not good for you, you know? And so I think that that's why there needs to be an absolute truth. And I, and I, and that's why, you know, I believe that the Bible is the absolute truth because it tells you exactly what it is that pleases God. And so, I mean, you can have a purpose and be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go and try to make this world a better place. I'm going to be kind to people. I'm going to, I'm going to do nice things. And, and I'm all for that, you know, walking old ladies across the street, opening the doors for people, helping people that are in need, you know, uh, feeding the hungry, taking care of orphans, you know, widows, building orphanages, putting, you know, roofs over people's head, giving them clean water to drink. You know, I mean, those things, but I think we would, 
for the most part, consider like, hey, that's a good thing. You know, you're, you're actually helping mm-hmm. somebody with, you know, you're putting shoes on their feet, give them a pair of Toms or <laughs> whatever, you know. And so, it's like, you know, those some, things some are... Some chunkless. Yeah, you know, so I, I think that those things are good. And, and I think just generally if we had more people out there doing that kind of thing, that this world would be a better place. But then I think the issue, though, um, that, that needs to be dealt with and, you know, people say, well, I just choose not to believe in that. But there's an issue of sin. It's like if you've done something that's wrong, even in your own mind, we're like, yeah, you know, I maybe shouldn't have cussed that person or maybe I shouldn't have taken that thing. It didn't belong to me. Or, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, slept with my girlfriend, you know, or, or whatever. Um, you know, you, you, the issue of, of sin is still there. And, and, and so now, how do I deal with that? You know, do I try to now start to do more good things to kind of counterbalance the bad things that I've done? Because maybe even in my own mind, I try to do what's right with me, which means it's kind of relative. But even in my own conscience, I kind of was like, ah, I blew it that time, you know, so still that's something that's wrong. What do I do with that? And so what I've seen is like most people will just try to be like, hey, man, like, how do you get to heaven? If you believe in heaven, well, you're just a good person. You know, you do good things for people and, and just make sure your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you know. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and so the issue there um, that remains is just sin. Like if you if, if you sin, the Bible is just very clear. It just says, you know, sin separates you from God. Uh, the wages of sin is death. The Bible actually says the plain field is level for everyone, including myself, pastor or no pastor, I've sinned, I've fallen short of, you know, perfection. And I think we probably say like, hey, there's no one's perfect, man. Give yourself a break. But the issue is sin. And so dealing with that is, is I think, the main problem for, for mankind is like, how do you deal with covering, overcompensating, making up for counterbalancing, you know, sin? Hmm. You know, like things that you've done that are wrong. Right. Even if it's not biblically based, it's just your own conscience, and you're like, man, that wasn't good. That was not cool. That was messed up. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, so, so you, you brought up absolute truth, and, and how do you hash out the differences between religion, religions that will say that they have the absolute truth, and then you have the absolute truth? And same thing with sins. They have the absolute, absolute idea of what a sin is and should be in their eyes, and then your absolute idea of a sin. Yeah. Um, how do you hash that out when you have, obviously, multiple religions that have different ideas? Mm-hmm. They, some shared, some different. Um, say the person that thinks, like we're saying, like some people think it's moral to hit someone in the face. Mm-hmm. What makes that idea of morality bad in your eyes, but then good in their eyes, and vice versa? Like, how, how does that? I mean, yeah. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, because if if you're going to assume that you're right and that you have the absolute truth, there's a, a bit of a I don't want to say arrogance, but that the other person has the same thought in their head. Sure. And I think so I, I think that that people can be arrogant, and uh, I think even Christians can be arrogant. And, I'm, not, I'm not trying to justify punching people in the face. I'm, that's no, no, and that, it, was a, it was a silly analogy, but, but I mean, it was just basically how do you deal with the relativity of people's moral decisions? Like if I yes. think it, it's it's moral for me to do this, you can do what's moral for you. Um, you know, the whole smacking in the face is just silly. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, no, really, that, I, I think that that's a huge question that people, uh, you know, wrestle with. I think it's very viable, um, a viable question, you know. And so, uh, and, and simple answer to that, you know, if, if you reject, if you say that there are no absolutes and you're saying, you know, there's no absolutes, um, 
Though saying that is an absolute, which kind of throws the argument out the window, um, I believe that there are absolutes and there are certain things that, um, you know, are empirical as far as science is concerned. But then as far as dealing with, um, you know, moral truths, uh, that that's something, you know, that you can see cross-cultural, like, uh, yeah. you know, killing someone. You know, uh, it doesn't matter really where you're from for the most part, that that's kind of a universal thing to kill someone, uh, you know, not from yeah. defending yourself, but to murder someone, mm-hmm. um, to take something that's not yours, stealing, you know, whether that be another man's wife or his trinkets or his car or his iPhone or whatever. Um, you know, so I, I think that, that we do see built into mankind, um, I would call it a God-given conscience where it's just you know something isn't right. And you don't necessarily have to be taught it. It just doesn't feel right. I think you can sense it. I think it's just something that you can look at the world as a non, let's just say non-Christian. Let's just say you could be an agnostic or you could be an atheist. You could be on on the spectrum somewhere. And you could look at something and be like, man, that was messed up. You know, I, I would have to ask the question, well, where does that come from? Where where does it come from where I can look at something and see that that is clearly wrong? Yeah. Without having to look at the Bible, without having to say I'm a Christian, that I just know something's wrong. Uh, I believe that from what, you know, if you believe in what the Bible tells you, that God created mankind and he created mankind with a conscience. And that you're able to determine, you know, hey, this is right, this is wrong. And I think that there's a certain level of accountability that we have based upon our own conscience, whether you read the Bible or not. However, let's just say, you know, you're in a place now where, you know, you're looking for, okay, I I have this group of people over here that say this is how you get to heaven. I got this group of people over here saying, you know, you got to do this to get to heaven. Um, I got this group of people over here that say there is no heaven uh, or no hell or whatever. You know, how do I know, like, what's truth? And I think that's really, you know, where we're at as a, as a society today. I mean, yeah. from like, hey, what's not fake news? <laughs> what's real? <laughs> you know, what's made up? You know, everybody says that this is the truth. This is the truth. And we're we're really living in, uh, and I think in justifiably living in a uh really an age of skepticism like hey man like what's the catch you know what yeah. what do you what do you what are you really trying to say here you know and so when it comes down to absolute truth um I, I go back to how i know the bible to be true like what separates the bible from the teachings of buddha or from confucius or from muhammad or or from you know let's say i wanted to start my own religion garrett the teachings of garrett you know scientology I, yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> that's a whole different topic yeah, right? a, yeah you know and so and so i think that you have to look at and and and, and just I, I think be objective with it and you know it's it's hard not to be emotionally involved because i think when it comes to certain things you feel very passionate about it and i and and i i think that you know you need to look at okay what are the things that allow me to determine something was true like how do i know that something happened in history. Like, how do I know that the Declaration of Independence was in 1776, or really when we became a nation, you know? How do I know that to be a fact? Uh, So you start to look at, well, there was eyewitness accounts, and there were people that were, you know, that signed off on it, you know, and you had people that uh, can testify to that being true. And so I think if you look at the Bible, like if you were... 
you know, trying to pick it apart. Like really try to destroy the Bible. You know, look at the Bible, try to try to absolutely just chop it up and 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 find flaws where you can just say, no, look at this is wrong. Um, I, I think that that anybody should take that challenge. Like look at it, like and be objective about it. You know, try to find contradictions, try to find things in it that you think don't sound right. Um, uh, research it, study it. You know, there's some great books by a man by the name of Lee Strobel, and uh, one of the books called The Case for Christ. Maybe you've heard of it, but you know, just uh, you know, there's some guys that have done some serious damage in trying to destroy the Bible and have found you know nothing to destroy it with. And so, and these are guys that were atheists, guys that you know made it their life's goal to to discount and disprove the Bible, but. All that to say is, you know, how do I know the Bible is truly God's word? How do I know it's not somebody else? And so I, I, I would just look at, you know, the history, the archaeology, and the prophecy. That the, the prophecy in the Bible, I know it sounds weird, and if, you, if you're skeptical of it and you're listening to this show and you're like, what do you mean prophecy, yada, yada, whatever, you know, actually look at it. Because, you know, there's secular historians that have documented things that have happened, uh, timestamp things, and we've seen it. And, uh, you know, I think that's what is just one of the things that lends itself to confirming, you know, what the Bible says to be true. You know, I think those things are what you would look at at any document in order to determine whether it was legitimate or not. You know, try to try to destroy it and research it and then make your decision for yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a huge thing. Yeah. Cool. Pastor Garrett, thank you for coming to the show. And uh, where where can where can people find you on the weekends on Sunday? Yeah. So we're in Irvine. Uh, we're in a new community called Orchard Hills. So we're off of Portola and Jamboree, just past the Testa Marketplace. And uh, if you would uh, hear this uh, the show tonight, and you want to even come in, ask some questions, listen to the Bible study, you're more than welcome to. Personal invitation. The pastor said it was okay for you to come. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so we, we also, we also uh, stream live as well. If you'd rather just check it out, you can go to visioncitychurch.com and, uh, you know, look at it. Listen to some of the messages, check it out, and we'd love to have you come visit us. Cool. Jordan, those were some good questions, man. It's great questions, man. <laughs> I know. We we're, were talking about it uh, a while ago. I'm like, man, I, I want to get my pastor, you know, pa- you know Pastor Garrett on the show and, because I know we were, we had, you know, off the air, we were, you know, we had some conversations, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we were and, talking about my nightmares and whatnot, because I've had yeah. nightmares, but. Yeah, that's, well, that's, so that's one of the reasons I want, I was like, you know, I want to see if, you know, we can address that issue and help, you know, Pastor Garrett help that's you out great. with that. You know? yeah. But always ask questions. I think that uh, you should ask questions and you should uh, search it out for yourself, mm-hmm. you know. You can't believe everything that people say just because they say it. Look to see if it's true and then make your decision. Right. Right on, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Beyond the Bike. It's on Warrior.com.